0: You know, last week, we just started right off in the conversation. My wife listened to it, and she's like, you didn't introduce John or say hi? I'm like, no, we just started talking. She's like, yeah, don't do that. Say hi. Don't I'm like, do oh, that. All right.
1: Okay. Hi, Brandon. Hi, John. We're doing a uh, internet handshake right now. That's Good to right. see you,
0: man. High five. Uh-huh. Even a fist bump. Dude. You ever seen uh, Big Hero 6, the cartoon? Yes. So every morning when I drop my girls off at school... Ursula, and when I put her to bed, she always has to do a fist bump. So we always go, <laughs> yeah, right
1: on, yeah, yeah. That was actually a good one. I'd like to see him come out with a uh, whatever, you know, a sequel, a part two or something. I, I think they will. Fun.
0: I mean, they've done a few others that's very similar as far as animation yeah. style and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a good one. I like Big Hero Six.
1: Yeah, no, it's fun. So, anything new? No, not new. My thought was. I get a lot of, I mean, with all related to Kodiak materials, people switching over. I thought what maybe we do today is I answer a lot of questions related to, even for me personally, how, how what, how does your materials impact your business success my, you know, and how do the materials you use directly impact the success of your business? So since I get asked a lot of those kind of questions, which ends up so many things we could talk about, I thought maybe we just, you know, spend a podcast talking about things like that. What do yeah. you think?
0: No, I think that's, you know, we we say a lot, experience matters. It's the uh, slogan for Concrete Design School, experience matters. But materials matter as well. With our classes, one of the things that we really push hard on is People don't buy concrete, they buy what you make of concrete. And what I mean by that is people buy design. So in the past, you know, we've seen, we've been doing this for 20 years, we've seen a ton of companies come up, be in business for a year, maybe two, and go out of business. Come up, be in business for a year, two, and go out of business. And one of the big reasons for a lot of these people for that to happen is they're not making things that people want to buy. At the end of the day, we're in the business of retail or in the business of selling products to clients, concrete sinks, countertops, furniture, tile, bathtubs, whatever it is. And they need to want to buy those things. So design's important. And that's something that we really focus on a lot. But when I say that, the caveat is the concrete still has to be top notch. So if you make a phenomenal concrete sink, it's an innovative design, people respond to it, and, you know, you get 100 orders for it. If what you turn out, the concrete is porous and it cracks and it turns chalky white and the sealer peels off, you're not going to be successful. You're going to go out of business. Right. So design is important. It's extremely important. But equally important is the quality of the the product that you put out for longevity
1: and customer satisfaction. Your reputation rides on what you produce. Absolutely. Yeah, your materials are definitely part of your success, an integral part. And I know you've talked about businesses coming and going. That's what brought, at least from people who who I've talked to and messengers and so forth, has brought it to attention. Is a big company, a very good company, Concrete Nation in Australia, recently had to close doors. I say recently, I mean it was weeks ago. But um, their failure was directly related to the materials that they were getting from a vendor, and those materials continue to catastrophically fail for them, um, which ultimately they had to shutter their doors. So I think sometimes people look at the materials, and that's where this podcast I just like to, the, the materials is kind of sideline, you know, and the the idea is that every vendor may have a good material, every material supplier, you know, and I think what's that at? Oh, there's so many ways to skin this
0: cat. Well, I think I think the other narrative that's put out there by a lot of concrete distributors, which is good for the distributor, is all materials are good. Right. Oh, everything, yeah. everything is great. Give you know, try everything. That's kind of a narrative, and that's good if you're selling products. Like if True. I'm a distributor and I have eight sealers and six different mixes and seven different plasticizers and whatever it is, oh yeah, they're all good. You know, you just try and see what works for you. But the truth of the matter is you do this for long enough and you find out that although they might be good, they're not great. There's very, very few great products. There's right. a lot of middle of the road, mediocre things that, you know, you kind of get what sure. get what you pay for. So,
1: Well, and that's what I thought we just – I made a list of things and how and what impact. I thought – and we could break some of these things down – Labor's always a huge one. So I actually want to kind of hit that last because that, that could be everything from recast, breakage, pinholes, you know, sealer performance. And, and so I thought we could, instead of using that as a direct category, I thought I would start off with something as simple as, and again, all of these coming from people like myself running a successful business for 20 years and what impact having the right materials in your shop means. So I thought a real simple one was inventory. You know, inventory, you know, how much of what do you have on your shelves? And the first thing from running a business, I found out very quickly that having a multitude of admixtures for various situations that that a, a supplier or a material supplier said I needed um, became very daunting, you know, I mean, a certain mix for that, a certain plasticizer for this. And, and from a business standpoint, boy, I just found that so inefficient and it really tied up my overhead and my shop space. What do you think? Yes.
0: Well, I muted my microphone because you seem to really have a list laid out here. You have a plan, and I don't want to yeah. step on your plan, dude. You have oh, a roadmap? No. So
1: I thought we just hit one individual. So right off the bat, I was just thinking from an inventory. I mean, what's your thoughts on inventory when it comes to materials?
0: Well, space is, uh, you know, especially for shops like mine, space comes at a premium. And back in the day, I would have a pallet of sand, a pallet of Portland, a pallet of AdMix. Uh, four or five different types of plastizers, um, all these different things in my shop. Metacalin, silica fume, uh, you know, a different kind of sand. I need white marble sand over here. Then I need number 30 silica. And then I need different sieves of sand, which we started doing multiple sizes of sand. And all those things took up a lot of space. And my shop back then was 1,200 square feet.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I was shocked going in there to see how efficient you kept that for everything you did.
0: Yeah, but um, inventory was an issue. And, you know, first of all, there's the cost of the products. Um, When you're a small business and you need to buy five plasticizers, admix, Portland, sand, a different sand, a different uh, poslin, maybe another poslin, all those things come at a cost. But then it's the space cost. You know, you're paying for your space. You don't typically have a ton of extra room. I don't know many concrete shops that have any extra room. Everybody's kind of at capacity in their shop. So inventory, yeah, it's it's an issue, and then another problem is going to be uh, longevity of the products. A lot of the products, poslins and Portland and things, do have, have a shelf, shelf life. life, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so you know, so so does uh, polymer. When I was using polymer, so does uh,
1: plasticizer. Well, and there's a misconception. I think a lot of people, as I'm watching various material suppliers come out with new choices, which again, for me running a shop, I kind of roll my head, my eyes, because I'm like. Okay, so a new polymer, or let's say a new choice in a polymer. Well, polymers go bad. Not just liquids, but the powder ones as well. They have a shelf life. And once again, to me, from a business standpoint, man, that's just, it's one more something somebody's selling me. And they're selling it to me as a solution for something that's supposedly a problem I must have. But the reality is this is one more thing that my, you know, hard-earned money is being tied up in one more space on my shelf. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's a hard one for me. Yeah. You know, with so many suppliers still trying to hand out so many various solutions, um, it makes it difficult for a person legitimately running a space. And and I know this will keep touching into labor cost. But the the other other big one that, again, I watch so many suppliers consistently overlook is how these materials and, and the choice in quality materials directly impacts the success of a business because they often eat up labor cost that a material supplier is, well, I shouldn't say they're not thinking about it. I'm sure they are, but that's of no consequence to them. And as an example, we've talked a lot about, let's say, pinholes, right? Pinholes. And we all know concrete's concrete, especially if you're mixing up certain versions with certain materials that ultimately you're going to spend time, whether you call it slurring or slaking, patch filling, whatever, uh, pinholes. And that's a real problem. That's a real problem in your labor that some people who don't have the experience of running their own businesses that they don't think much about. So they'll continue to sell you materials without thinking about that. So that was one thing in labor costs.
0: Or maybe they sell you a slurry product.
1: Right. There you go. Yeah, yeah we'll actually give you the patching product because yeah. we already know it's going to happen. It's yeah, another,
0: It's another sale.
1: There uh, I, just,
0: I just found a quote online. Inventory is money sitting around in another form. Inventory is right. money sitting around and the form exactly what it is. You just took your money that you could have had in your bank account and uh, you put it into something sitting in your shop that you just stare at and probably is going to go bad before you use it. I can't tell you how many buckets of polymer, bags of Portland, bags of AdMix I've thrown away over the last 20 years. I mean, I, I felt filled dumpsters to the brim many, many times going through my shop and cleaning it out of stuff that I'd bought and paid for and had shipped to me. And never had a chance to use it, so right, yeah.
1: Oh no, I get it, and I mean, so maybe that because labor cost is such a huge one, and in the in how many podcasts you know we've talked about the whole batching sequence and and why for two guys in business you know fully pre-blended products certainly you know cut my labor down dramatically, um, and but I still understand for those people. So I'm still going to say this isn't what I'm going to say about labor cost Here is not even a batching issue. It's not the five-gallon buckets. It's back to that. The labor involved in tasking multiple admixtures, and I know we just kind of alluded to this in inventory, but it goes into labor too, is a material supplier that's not thinking about that, that continues to want to sell you various things, is also... How do I say it? It's not correlating to the success of your business. It's it's their success to get these materials in your hand, but you're the one that's losing success by consuming labor time. And just like you were saying, that's money sitting on a shelf. Your time is this mysterious money, and that's it's something you're never going to get back.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's just two different sides of the coin. One side is the artisan, the craftsman, his needs, and what's best for him. On the other side of the coin is the material distributors and what's best for them. What's best for them isn't what's best for the artisan. What's best for them is to sell as many products as they can, to sell as many products to you as they can, to, you know, I mean, it's kind of like planned obsolescence. In a way, it's good for them if the products they they sell you go bad and you have to buy more because they're in a business selling product. It's good for them, for a lot of these distributors, that if they carry – you know, 8, 10, 12, whatever sealers, that this one didn't work. Well, hey, we got another one for you. That one didn't yeah, work. We hey, we got another one for you. For yeah, you. sure. So it's it's always in their interest, really, for things to, you know, go bad, not work, whatever it is, because they have another thing to sell you. On the other side of the coin is the craftsman, the artisan, that wants the most efficient product. They don't want to carry inventory. They don't want to have things that are yeah. going to go bad before they can use them. Uh, they don't want to have, to have 10 different things uh, to do right. what they want to do. And so kind of where you and I fall in this, and you know that's not necessarily the, the point of this podcast, but I was listening to, um, I was telling you about this earlier this week, Robert Kiyosaki, his latest book, Second Chance is really good. But he's talking about every coin has three sides, uh, heads, tails, and the edge. And where you want to be is the edge where you can see both sides of the coin. And really mm-hmm. kind of where you and I are different with Kodiak Pro is we see both sides of the coin. We, we see it from the side of selling products to artisans. But then we see it from the side of being the artisan that needs those products. And what do they need? You know, day to day, what is best for them? And that puts us in a unique position to really understand what, what guys like you and I need and want. And what works best yeah. for us and what's best for our business. And what's best for cash flow and, uh, you know, profit right. margins Turnover. and everything.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, and this is, again, where the, the overlying thing continues where the experience, meaning the people with the experience using the materials and running a successful business really matters. And so another part of that labor cost that I wanted to throw in there is time that's turnaround on a project. For how many years I worked out of my shop under the old scenario where such, you know, you cast on one day and then you have to wait seven days before you can seal it or 10 days. And, um, you know, there was no information related to the, what sealer you we were using and why it failed and moisture content. And, and ultimately I found that as I got more projects, I, had to look around to get a bigger shop. right? I need more space. I need more space. Because if I have to consistently sit on these projects for let's say seven, 10, two weeks, before you know it, you have projects all lined up, sitting around, waiting in some phase to finish up, which costs you money, your business. You know, my overhead kept escalating because my shop rent would have to keep going up. You know what I mean? Oh, I I need another, oh, shoot. Hey, this one's over there. I'm in mean, 2,500 square feet. I need 5,000 square feet. Oh, yeah. And it it just kept, I don't know, that that tumbleweed going for so long. Well, here, you know, now, after being in that situation for so many years, I'm in a situation now that I'm turning you know, is easily in three days to four days, where by the third, third day afternoon or the fourth day, I'm having a contractor come pick that material up or the installer or whatever the case, or I'm dropping off for delivery. And I'm not sitting on things that long. And if it wasn't for 20 years of experience running that, my business and my business being successful, how do I say it? I mean, That would not be such an in-my-face situation.
0: Yeah. Well, we talk about you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So if you've done it for a long time, you know what's important, and you know where the failure points are and the pinch points and all the things that create friction and slow things down. If you're just a distributor, they don't have that frame of reference, so they don't know what they don't know. They're like, oh, no, this is great. It's perfect. This is what I always use, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah. And for somebody new coming to the industry, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know who's who. So new people coming to the industry will call one of these, you know, supply houses and talk to a salesman and uh, get a lot of advice and input and instruction on how to do things. But unfortunately, usually that information, although not malicious, I don't think anybody's trying to be malicious, mm. is ill-informed. And the, uh, the end user ends up paying the price for that.
1: Oh, very true. And to expand on that, because I think you're saying it in a very nice way, this is where the lack of experience of somebody who's not running a business, who hasn't run a business, is not currently making product and hasn't Maybe they did it sometime in their career. I don't know. And then maybe they transitioned to being a material supplier. That's very possible. So it's not like they can't lean on, I don't know, whatever they did 15, maybe even 20 years ago. But it's, it becomes irrelevant now with where they're at, especially if they're still selling materials, in my opinion, that, that caters to just what we're talking about. It, they don't cater to a business being successful. Meaning, again, more inventory, more shop space, longer turnarounds. Um, those are, I mean, it's just, it's very, very hard. It, it's hard to maintain a successful business when there's material suppliers out there that aren't catering to. And the only thing I could think of from their point of view only is that that the materials either don't have anything to do with the success of your business or that materials in general don't help you be successful.
0: Or whatever they did, however long ago that was, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, Mm -hmm. that's as far as their uh, frame of reference goes. So for them, a 7-day or 15-day workflow cycle is normal. That's, I mean, that's that's what we do. And that's what we did 15 years ago. 20 years ago, but today with the materials we have and the processes we have and techniques and curing and all these things, like you said, we can turn something in three to four days, which has a sure. tremendous impact on the profitability of my business, on labor cost, on everything, but that wasn't the case 15 years ago. It's funny It's no. funny you say that. It's a totally side subject, but I got, a, I got some um, responses on social media to a post, and somebody said that uh, Kodiak Pro were flooding an already flooded market with our products, and they're kind of saying it in a negative way, we're flooding our already flooded market because what I recommended 15 years ago is adequate. And I was like, what? How does that even make sense? Because what we were doing 15 years ago, although it was the best we could do at the time, we've always done the best we could do at the time, is in no way, shape, or form even close to where we are today. And we've made continual, incremental improvements over all this time. And so the materials that we have developed and produce and sell... And the techniques that we've developed and refined and continue to refine and, and uh, dial in more and more um, is all a result of just nonstop improvement. Just trying to always improve, you know, incrementally small. A lot of improvements are, are minor, but they add up year over year over year over year. And so uh, and some of them are huge. I mean, some of the improvements with uh, materials are um, massively, not incremental, yeah, but continue huge. to
1: escalate. But you know what? And that's what I'm saying. Per this podcast, I hate to take this, whatever poster, what you know, side. You know, I can see their point of view because there's there's one group of individuals, um, I don't know, call them instigators, whatever, that's still riling against the system, coming out with a material, and that material is solidly backed by 20 plus years of each individual experience. And I don't just mean me and you, I'm just, even the people we work with, um, it, it's backed by that. And then you look at the, as you were just use, referring to the coin, you look at one side of the coin that says, oh, you don't, you don't need that. Look, here's my package of something. You just need look, I'll still sell you this admixture and this one and this one and, you know, and, and these work just fine. And, uh, yeah, I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it again. I'm sure if you blend those things up, that whatever you end up with will get hard and a plate won't fall through it. I understand that, but being in this long enough, Again, things associated with labor costs that killed me how many times, although I'm still running a successful business, is if when I had inadequate materials, I had breakage and recasts. And just that one recast alone cost me time and money. And that's a difficult one to take from that standpoint of experience running a business to say, look, I can't, I, I, I shouldn't be willing to handle that. And quite frankly, I'm not happy with someone trying to sell me the materials that still may s- put me in that situation. If that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, the
0: person who made that comment where I was kind of going with that is uh, they might not have the frame of reference. They don't know what they don't know. They haven't used our product. And so in their frame of reference, they're still stuck in where we were 15 years ago. And to them, that's good. You know, to them, that's probably the best because that's all they've ever seen. They've never mm-hmm. seen anything else. Sure. And so they're like, you know, you guys are just flooding the market. Uh, you're flooding a flooded market. And I think that's wrong. And it's like, well, you need to try the product. I, I told the guy, you know, <laughs> I said, you know, try the, mar- try the product and I, th- I think you're going to feel differently. And instead of, you know, having a negative comment, I think he'll come back with yes, a, a positive. Yes, each person
1: has, quite frankly. Yeah.
0: Each person. And, yeah. Uh, and then he said he'd try it. And I said, great. Contact. Joe Bates, and uh and then you know I like Jameson whiskey, so when you send that apology note to me, just include a bottle of Jameson, and <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm not paying to try your material, which again is funny because if somebody won't oh, pay, he wanted it, it for free. Yeah, he wanted it for free, which we don't do oh, free. The on. reason no, we don't do free is free. you got to have skin in the game. Yeah, you can't, you you won't take it seriously if it's just sent to you. I've I mean, always said that. dude, over yeah. the years I've received so many products to try for free you know me i tried none none they show up at my shop sometimes they contact me hey we got a you know whatever we'd like to send you something to try what's your address and they send it to me it just sits there because i don't need skin in the game i don't care i didn't ask for it i don't want it even if i did ask for it which i didn't but even if i did i don't have any skin in the game i'll get All to when right. i get to it which is never because we're always out of time we never seem to have enough time. i get a
1: lot of raw material manufacturers and because they heard my name through so and so that i'm working with and this and that like and I'll get a phone call and they're like, well, John, and, and it's funny, this literally just happened to me the other day. A box of materials came in. Uh, Aim picked it up. She's brought in like, whoa, who's that from? And we opened it up, and I'm just like, uh, what? Um, so what
0: yeah, I get it, what you're saying.
1: What was it? So no, free. Was no, it a head? No, even for me, was it a human yeah, head? Things with free doesn't hold value. What's in the box? What's so in I, the box? What's in the box? for people that haven't seen the movie seven, right? What, um, let's see. How about, how about consumables? That's another one that, that hits a lot that people running a bit, when you run your own business consumables, you know, they erodes your bottom line right off the bat. So a lot of these choices out there, that I, that I consistently, you know, whatever rile against is, you know, I watch these consume, you know, let's say again, let's talk sealer for a moment, roller after roller, after roller, after roller, and each roller that costs three to $5. And, you know, before the end, there's a, and I've been there myself. I get it. Uh, I got a trash can full of my now, you know, hardened residue sealer, (laughs) You know, before I take them to the dump, but at the time when I was using those, you know, those consumables consistently ate my bottom line over and over and over again. Um, and and again, this is where materials has an absolute direct impact on success. Again, not a not a
0: Kodiak Pro uh, cheerleading episode, but our mindset because we're on. That side of the coin as well is with the development of these festool pads, these diamond mm-hmm. festool pads. You know, I uh, I went over and helped a buddy out here, Elsie uh, Woodcrete, Jared Case, and he was dry sanding uh, his countertops. He did like a dusty crete type thing, and he slurred it and had to had to remove it. And he was going through Abranet and all those sandpapers, but tons of it. And that stuff's not cheap. He's going through tons of it. And I told him, dude hit up John, we don't get them on the website yet, but hit up John and order these pads because it, it does as good, if not a better job, but once that will last you where you'll go through 10 or 20 boxes of that.
1: Don't say that, man, because here's the problem. Now you're hitting on a totally. I think I made them too durable.
0: No, you didn't make them too... So back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> I used to have these plastic sink forms made, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And the person that made them for me, who's no longer, he passed away, but... I was very adamant to make them as good as we can make them, you know. And so we made them out of a really thick plastic, a very strong plastic. But he was always talking. He was like, hey, we can make these out of like really thin plastic and have a single-use mold. You know, so people would use them and then they'd kind of fall apart, deform, whatever. But they'll get a use out of them. They'd have to buy another one. they have to buy another one. They'd have to buy another one. And that mindset is really, if you're a distributor mindset, that's what you want. You want to sell as many as you can.
1: You know, your iPhone goes bad after a few years. You have to get another one. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter just hit me. Daddy, which one? What do we have? The 13, the 14, the 12? We got the four. Can you make (laughs) calls on it? Yeah. Can you text on it? Yeah. Can you take pictures on it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Then no, I'm not. (laughs) But I didn't want that.
0: That's not what I wanted. Because as as an artisan myself, I wanted to, you know, buy once, cry once, or at least get as much out of it as I could get. Let's make it as good as we can make it. And so... These pads, uh, we didn't make them more durable than they need to be. We made them as durable as they could be made. And that's true. And that's a yeah. good value for the artisan. Is it good for us? we'll, we'll sell them one set instead of three. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not going to – neither one of us is going to pay our mortgage payment by selling these diamond pads. pads. It's not like yeah. we're going to get rich doing diamond pads. But, you know, we're, we're, we made a product that is the best product for the artisan, which is the side of the coin that we've spent 20 years on. And so we understand what that is
1: and why I did that. So as long as we're talking about that for a minute, uh, I did design these around or had them designed around a Festool backer pad. And a lot of the guys that we know who have been picking up the Bosch. So I just pulled in a Bosch backer pad. One of the things I'm going to see if I can have done is had the, I'm going to call them the middle holes done larger so that it more adequately it can fit both pads, the um, the Festool and the uh, Bosch. So well, that's something I'm working on. Yeah, I, I literally and just... See, John, did, right there. Yeah.
0: Right there. Instead of making two different pads, Bosch right. and Festool, we're going to make one that works for both. So we're going to yeah. sell half as many now, and that's right. okay. We don't need to yeah. sell... To, I, I guess that's just the, you know, living on the edge of the coin where we live, where Kodiak Pro lives, seeing both sides... Yeah, we understand that we need to sell enough for it to be viable, but we don't need to, to make them weaker or make all these different patterns where everybody has to buy all these different sets. Let's just make one. Let's make it as good as we can right. and uh, make it as universal as it can
1: be. I agree. And as we're talking about this from an experience point of view, which other people are missing the experience point of view, I had a question about sealer. Um, someone has a project going on. And like, hey, John, can, can ICT? So we got into the conversation. And this, again, goes to running a business. You know, why in 20 years have I been using, not just using ICT, continuing to develop ICT and et cetera. So we just got into a scenario which they were currently in and why they were calling me is because the sealer that was recommended to them was, uh, I'm, for better sake, I'm going to say having trouble scratch through. And again, it was a topical tech te- topical technology. And so his only real choice was either scrape it off or sand it off in some sense. And when we ended up in this conversation, he was asking me about, well, how long do you think I'd have to strip off the ICT? And I'm like, well, you're, you're not going to have to, but well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you may end up somewhere, But see, again, the beauty of this kind of surface from a business, successful business point of view is at some point, if necessary, I just go back out, do some light sanding and reseal. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. well, how does it scratch through? "Mm, It doesn't. Now, I'm not saying your countertops won't scratch. But what I'm saying is even in that situation, you go in, you sand or you buff out the scratch and you reseal. You how often do I have to strip it? You don't. And and again, I'm not here to pump ICT, but what I am saying is that's a big difference in running a successful business. At least that's what I have found in my experience is to go back in in situations, uh, and I've said this a lot, those are what I call rejuvenations and stuff that I've gone into that has had, uh, I'm just gonna say other sealers, I refer to those as restorations. Where then you go in and the whole surface, you set the expectations because that whole surface is going to be different. Once I come in and take off whatever's on there, you're not going to have the same surfaces anymore. I might have to expose sand or aggregate. I got to grind through things. But that's not what happens with a reactive technology. No, how? No way. Um, and again, that's, that's an experience experience, successful experience, as opposed to people, again, that they just don't have that background to fall on.
0: Yeah. I saw um, a recent comment. I don't know where I saw it. I think it was uh, a Facebook group, something along the lines of um, materials or sealers don't, don't make you successful or don't, uh, I'm trying to remember how it was worded. Something like it doesn't it doesn't make your company successful. And I just remember thinking like, that's so wrong because if you talk to anybody that's been doing this for a long time, I I think of like Dusty Baker. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, myself, I've been doing this for a long time. Any of these people that have done this for a long time, all of them have had issues. They went on the, as you call it, the hamster wheel of sealers, where they do this sealer, that sealer, this one, that one, that one, that one. And a lot of times, at the same time, you're also like, let me try this ad mix, let me try this pause, and let me try this one, let me try that one. And you're just on this hamster wheel of just you can't. You're never, you're never happy with the end result, and you're getting callbacks and you're getting all this kind of stuff there. But right. uh, at some point, if you're fortunate enough, you do land on things that work. You finally weed out all the things that you had to try to get to the thing that actually works for your business. And uh, for me and for, for Dusty, the materials, whether it's sealer or mix or both, is really a, a cornerstone, a foundation of having a successful business. It is one of the most important things. What you make yeah. with concrete is super important. You know, Dusty with Dustycrete, anybody else that has a successful business, they're making things people respond to. But that product has to perform. And that performance and that durability and that expectation um, and that longevity is a direct 100% result of material and sealer choice.
1: Absolutely. No, it it has, I mean, obviously your business is going to be successful if you're not there, but if anybody, I was going to say that because if anybody just coming by some of the questions I've gotten recently related to materials, if there truly is somebody out there with a message that says that your materials or in this case, even sealer sealer materials, um, is not a success of your business. Um, I get the only thing I could say to that is that, that whatever business, that person, whoever might be saying that they just have not run a successful artisan concrete business long enough to realize that that message is completely ignorant. And, and that's what I said, there's a saying, you know, beware of false knowledge because it's more dangerous than ignorance. And when it comes to running a business, you know, an artisan concrete business is not the easiest thing, you know, so I only touched on a few. So if your materials are not allowing you to turn product fast enough so that ultimately, Either A, you can't get things through fast enough to actually make a living at this, or B, as I did for a while, you keep having to escalate to higher and higher overheads so that you gain more space. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a direct, I'd say, unsuccessful part of a business. Um, if you're using mater- materials that continues to directly eat at your labor costs, because you're filling pinholes or, you know, your breakage and your recast rates or just batching times and failures. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I spent I mean, so
0: much time paying employees and myself because my time has value either driving around and picking up materials, whether it's sand, cement, fiber, polymer, because back then ball consulting was local. I could drive over there, but I spent so much time doing it. But once I had the materials, which took a long time to, uh, you know, get together, then it was it? Time of lining up buckets and hanging them on a scale and weighing this and weighing that, and you know we always talk about the line of forty buckets in your shop, but I have seen that a thousand times in my life. I walk in the back of my shop and there's just rows of buckets, and they all look like they have the same stuff in them. But every now and then, and it happens enough that it it's a big problem. Every now and then, something gets missed or gets doubled because all looks the same. And so that's the other part of it when we talk about labor is just human error. Is you're paying somebody that again, I've never, I never ha- have hired anybody that I thought was not intelligent. They've all been very intelligent, but it's monotonous work, hanging a bucket on a scale and weighing 1.3 of this, 2.6 of this, 22 and a half of that again, and again, and again, and again. And a lot of those materials look the same. It's so like a fume, Medicalin, this Pozzlin, white Portland, well, they're all white. Once it goes in a bucket, you don't know what went in there. So then you're like trying to come up with these different ways. Well, let me tear off a little piece of paper and put it in there. And that means we put medical in there. Let me tear off a little piece of yellow and put it in there. And that means, you know, whatever. We, we've done all these things. My point is those things cost you so much more money that you don't really adequately account for when you're, when you're doing things that way.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, and so I know we've touched on it a minute, but ultimately one of the other things again, from running a business is focused on materials that has real repairability because everything wears out. I mean, life happens and things wear out. Uh, had a conversation not long ago with somebody and we were talking about acetone, right? And he's like, well, John, you know, with ICT, again, compared to something else he was doing. He's like, look, and I can, I, you know, acetone, uh, look, I can wipe it off. And I'm like, okay, yeah, totally understand. Well, how's ICT with acetone? And I said, well, acetone would leave a mark because with ICT, I've built it into the concrete. Acetone won't eat the concrete. Oh yeah. So then I said, like, if you have a client in this situation that ends up using acetone on their countertops, You've put yourself in a position that actually reinforces your success of business because you're going in there to do repairs that you're getting paid for, not going in going on oops, and then under that circumstance you could go in and repair of the surface comparatively is pretty easy. And then I threw it back on him because he's same thing. He's trying to run a successful business, and I said, let me ask you with the product that you've been referred to. In the situation where that product needs to be repaired, how are you going to repair it? And then he got kind of quiet, and he's like, "Yeah, that would be. I'd have to go in, scrape it off, or and sand it all out, and reapply, and set an expectation that changes the surface." And you know, anyway, yada 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 yada. And see, and and that, at least in the twenty years for me, is not a successful choice, but it is a choice that's often referred to by people who are not running successful businesses. I, th- I think I read somewhere, I heard something where people referring to the things that you specifically make as being sexy. They, they,
0: uh, they tell no lies. They tell no lies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was thinking attractiveness and feel. Well, that too Again, having been down this road with various materials, I found time and time again, the quality of the materials that I use has a direct impact on the attractiveness and the feel of the end, whatever that I was making, right? The table, the vanity, whatever the case may be. And, and that, again, I, I, I know I keep saying this, but for those people that don't understand that where your material choices have a direct impact on the success of your business, that would be another place that you, that I've watched people go out of business because of the things they were making. I don't, nobody liked meaning. And I'm not saying they didn't make a vanity that made something go, Hey, that's a nice vanity, but ultimately it looked drowned out and dry. Um, you know what I mean? It, where did I, I think I heard, this is a laughable one. It felt like a pig's butt. I don't know how a pig's butt feels like, but it's like, it feels like a pig's butt. And that's a big part of running a successful business is is those, which again, caters to material choices, has an absolute direct impact on your success.
0: No, I mean, the stuff I used to make way back in the day was, uh, you know, polymer-modified concrete, four-ton. It was much more air-entrained because polymer brought a lot of air into the mix. So the resonance of the piece, the weight of the piece uh, was was different. And then I covered those pieces back in the day with um, some type of topical, whether it was EAP, E32K, EcoTuff, mm-hmm. the UV sealer, all those different ones. I I uh, would do that. And so I can very distinctly remember those pieces feeling like Corian when you felt them. They felt yeah. like plastic. When I touch them, they had, I mean, a solid, you know, couple mils of plastic over the porous concrete. And uh, and I remember when, it's a long story I talked about in a previous podcast, and we'll talk about some other day again, but how I came to ICT. But back in the day, before I was using ICT, you would call me up and we'd have a conversation. You'd say, I'd be sitting at, at like my conference table in my shop, and you'd say, close your eyes and feel it. What does it feel like? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, does it feel like concrete? I was like, well, and you're like, does it feel like plastic? I'm like, well, it feels like plastic. You're like, yeah, exactly. And that was your big thing back then, was you were always kind of- And still is, yeah. yeah, Because we talk about
1: material authenticity. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But, uh, you know, you go through all this work to make something concrete, and then you cover it in plastic, and then you lose all that tactile sensation when you do that. And I think a lot of that, we can talk about it. I don't know if it goes out of business because of it. I don't think that's- huge but it does have an effect and when you have concrete that's super dense and really nice and it's sealed well and you feel it and you feel the concrete it is different it's is, temperature is different the density is different the resonance is different and it is a much higher quality product but it, you have to have a frame of reference you have to know one to know the other and be like oh yeah no that's that's a lot different
1: yeah i agree man and i mean there's a few other things um but i know you're saying that you need to go so to round this out to, to anybody listening, you know, they hear it a lot from us that we truly believe experience matters. I believe experience matters and any tech support, you know, people are leaning on 20 years of me running a successful business, um, being successful with raw materials and designing materials, both concrete sealer and otherwise just be aware that, You know, be aware that false knowledge (laughs) is more dangerous than ignorance. Yeah, And And, and if you're getting that... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, in
0: knowledge that is sold to you as expert knowledge, but from from a person or a company that doesn't have a leg to stand on when it comes to that. There's there's companies out there that will try to tell you, hey, uh, we'll teach you on how to run a successful concrete business. But they don't run a successful concrete business. You know, or yeah, we're going to... That's a
1: hard one for me. Yeah. Oh, it's a
0: super hard one. Or let's show you the way we've always done fabric forming. Well, you, you never you never did fabric forming, you know? Uh, well, the way we always did GFRC, well, dude, I I know for a fact, I was at a trade show where I was, where I was uh, promoting GFRC workshops, and I saw you walk over to Hiram Ball and ask him what GFRC was. I mean, there's a lot of this over the years where there's a lot of people in this marketplace that project a level of expertise in... in whatever the, the knowledge is, but they don't have it. And so, you know, it is, it is a, a bit on the consumer to do some research and really kind of look at somebody's history and right. portfolio of work and say, well, they say this, but when I really look at, like, their, their background, they don't have anything to back that up.
1: Yeah, and, I, you know, it's, it, that's the other unfortunate part about running a business. That due diligence can be difficult to navigate. Uh, especially, and even more so in the time of social media, where I't uh, know someone can you know be behind their keyboard or be maybe behind a you know uh, educational degree or something, and come across very articulate and uh, very well knowledgeable. But at the end of the day, experience matters. It truly matters. And that's all I would say to somebody is try to make your choices, you know, make your choices. They're your own to make. Uh, and uh, for me, yeah, I, I like, I like going to people. If I need help with something or answers to something, you know, I, I lean on people that are experienced in that because that's what you need. Absolutely. Well, John, anything else on the subject? No, that's it, man. I mean, for that end, that's so the materials, in my experience of running a successful business, materials has an absolute direct impact on your success. That's what I have found over twenty years of doing this.
0: A thousand percent. I agree.
1: Uh, okay, well, I think we're
0: we're going on close to an hour here, which is uh, kind of yeah. our limit. Kind of our limit, John. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, good talking to you well, hold always. on, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. Hold on.
0: Concrete heroes quest. We didn't talk about that. April 26th and 29th, Joe Bates shop, Napa, California, a very, very in-depth deep dive class on post-tensioned concrete, GFRC sprayed, troweled, upright cast, whatever, SCC port. I don't know what all we're going to do. It's going to be a lot of techniques, uh, but it's going to be, you know, a normal class that we do. We do a six day class. The, um, the Pinnacle Workshops, and it's two days of me, two days with John, two days of Dusty. And those are a really good class to get a very wide swath of knowledge. But you only have two days with each instructor, and so there's only so far we can go into that in two days with each one. right? So it's a great class, phenomenal class. But this one, being three and a half days, it's a, it's a deeper dive. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the first time we've done this class. We've already had a ton of registrations that were almost full at this point. It's going to be a very, very, very fun class. So if you're interested, go to concrete design school.com, Check it out, April 26th through the 29th, Napa, California. And feel free to email us any questions, and we hope to see you there. Anything else on your side, John?
1: No. Those guys, again, just hope uh, hope anybody listening is having success. And I hope their business is doing well, and keep on keeping on. On that note. I can't wait to get into your new shop. That's <laughs> where I want to see it. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I told you on the last podcast it was a meth lab, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But uh, but I'm working that's on it. Right. I'm working on it. Yeah.
1: It's funny how we're gonna go in there and everybody feels so energized.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> cool, buddy. Oh, All right. Crazy. Well,
1: All until right, next man. week, man. Okay. You got it. Good talking to you.
0: Adios, amigo.